Welcome to Aussie Ambitions Podcast, where we meet with everyday Aussies that are pushing ahead with their goals and ambitions in life. Join your host, Scott Robert Springer, to explore the future of entrepreneurship, work-life balance, and reaching beyond your comfort zone. So stay tuned for some tips on living life the Aussie way. All right. Welcome to the Aussie Ambitions Podcast. We've got a guest today. It's Ryan Tuckwood. Hi, Ryan. How are you? I'm fantastic. You? Excellent. Very good. So Ryan's from a company that he's co-founded, which is Swish Sales Coaching. Um, and it's just got some interesting perspectives on life here in Australia and internationally as well. So I'll just introduce you, uh, Ryan. Could you take us through a little bit? Uh, we pulled you in here today. What have you been working on these days? Um, we're working on um, the, the main mission, I guess, if you want a, a real kind of... Um, helicopter view is changing the perception of sales that's what we do as, as an organization our mission is to um to, to show people a different um view of what is a tarnished industry around sales and communication um so working heavily on that day to day within the business um, also working on trying to be a, a good father to me two boys maverick and fox um, and trying to balance whatever that work-life balance is between the two if that exists nice one well you've already hit some of the keywords, so balance and, um, you know, working on a specific thing that's uh, sort of time bound and like in the mm -hmm. moment. So um, like here we are 2021, uh, is your routine sort of like, are you, let's just touch base on like a, a typical day for you. Uh, let's start there. So are you, is, it, is it something where you're outbound and meeting people, interacting with people, or is it more, let's say planning and at a desk? Um, very structured um, would be the the immediate answer to that. So I'm very routinely, um, I've learned a lot from some of our investors over the years about um, juggling and balance or what is now we term as counterbalance. So you're either all doing this or you're all doing that. I'm either all at home with my family or I'm all at work in the office. Um, I'm not trying to juggle two or three things at the same time. Um, so my day is I'll be up by um, 4.35 o'clock, pretty standard. Uh, that's just the boys will wake me up. Um, I will then get some time with them. I'll, I usually take both the boys downstairs, have breakfast whilst Alicia has a shower and gets ready. Um, come back up, get changed, get ready, get ready for work myself. Be in the office for 7, 7.15. Um, that's my clarity time. Um, checking on emails. Um, 8.02 is our morning meeting time. Um, I was told once that if you have it at an odd time, everybody remembers it. Um, it has We've had nobody late for a morning meeting since we changed it from 8 o'clock till 8.02. That's the first tip for you. Um, we go 8.02 till 8.17, quick 15-minute um, daily huddle. I then do a, a sales morning whip for 15 minutes. We then do role play. Um, I then have strategy time for 45 minutes, and then I'm into coaching for the day. So I'm either coaching our um, our corporate clients or our academy members, um, usually via Zoom. So you said, am I out on the road? Not as much on the road anymore for obvious reasons. Um, prior to that, I would have been on a plane every two or three days but um yes yeah, so a coaching strategy creative so doing podcasts interviews um creating new content for the academy um and then i have a daily um wrap at the end of the day and then 5 30 to 8 o'clock is family time no um no exceptions and then eight o'clock until 11 o'clock is back on the computer going through admin um, and catching up on everything in the day that's wonderful. There you go. That's a daily routine. That's yeah. Well, you answered the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then so that that would be like a Monday to Friday. The weekends, which is that switch it up a bit. Week weekends is is family time as much as possible. Um, so Saturdays, I've I've got a personal trainer four times a week. Um, I've just engaged about a month ago. I've I've always struggled to put weight on. Um, I've always been a bit of a skinny bugger. Um, and uh, I guess. As I've grown and become more vulnerable in my older age, I've, I've become aware that that was something that bothered me. Um, so I've engaged a personal trainer, um, a guy called Andy Jin from Body Science, if I'll do him a little plug. Oh, yeah, um, Body Science, yeah. And he's a, an absolute legend. So he comes to me 5 a.m. Um, Saturday morning, 
um, and then three times throughout the week. And um, uh, f- that's why I do that on a Saturday. And then I've got football for Maverick um, where he goes a little soccer practice. And then it's just family day there on in. Um, seems to be lots of one-year-olds and two-year-olds birthday parties at the minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and those are pretty intense as well. Aren't they? Yeah, yeah. No, they're not the sort of parties like I used to go to. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, so it's a certain life stage where I think you've settled into this. Um, is that is that a new construct? This this sort of uh, you get on Monday to Friday. It's, it's quite tight. Uh, mm. You got that. Is that a new sort of framework, or has that always been part of your, for, you know, how you've built up? And I, I guess I have tried to build that into my life, but I struggled to to stick to it in, in respect of I struggle to say no to people, um, to different opportunities. And um, uh, in the early stages of business, especially, I don't think I knew my worth and my the value on my time. So I was out coffees for coffees, meetings for meetings, as opposed to being really productive in my day. So now it's, it's very much set in stone that this is what I'm doing every minute of every hour of every day. Um, uh, when we first started the business, when me and Jack went two years, seven days a week, 14 hour days, no holiday. Um, so there was no structure there. It was just turning the wheels, making lots of mistakes, just trying to keep afloat. Um, so now I guess the success is that I've been able to free myself up for weekends and um, and I can leave at 5.30 and the, the team are still working and there's still money being made even though I'm not there. So um, yeah, a lot more structured these days. Yeah, nice. I mean, I'll actually just say congrats on that. I don't know if you celebrate those moments, but I feel like those are achievements. Um, do you feel like that's an achievement? It's an intel? Yeah, I, I do. And um, I talk about this a lot. I don't, I don't think people do look back often enough to, to celebrate what would be an achievement is to get yourself away from working 14, 15 hour days, which some people wear that as a badge of honor and, and it's not always a good thing. Um, like when after that two year spell at the start, the first holiday I had, we went um, before the kids, me and Alicia went to Bali and we were two days into that trip and um, we made a conscious effort in the morning because we own a hair salon as well together. Um, and it was, let's stop talking business. Let's enjoy the holiday. Um, and we did. And we went for breakfast. Um, and then uh, 11 o'clock in the morning, we were walking through this, the restaurant and I just collapsed, um, had this fit. And I woke up and I'm in the middle of this restaurant and I was foaming at the mouth and had this oxygen tank on me and all these people around me. I have no idea what had happened. Um, and apparently I said to Alicia, I was going to go to the bathroom. And I walked off and just collapsed like a yard from the table. Um, and the doctors, they, there was nothing wrong with me. They just said that you've got all this built up stress and emotion of two years of going full pelt that you actually couldn't handle stopping. Um, and it just caused me to just <laughs> stop Jeez, um, uh, physically. pretty drastic. So, yeah, I mean, it was a good... It was a good um, shot in the arm to say, hey, you can't continue doing that. Um, and even as we spoke about previously, me and Alicia getting ill again this year, like there was a, a combination of even though 2020 with COVID was actually a really good year for our business, it's undeniable there's a level of stress there and you, you're trying to navigate new new waters that we'd never done before. And I certainly had done as, hadn't done as a business owner. Um, so there's like a subliminal level of stress there that I didn't really realize. And then eventually it's just going to come out with you getting sick. So, um, so yeah, de- definitely trying to um, think about health and, and and be aware of that a lot more this year. This is a real focus for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Um, even just the, the long hours, uh, I can, I can relate to it. Uh, and I look out for it to see sometimes it's, there's an advantage because sometimes you need to just go the hard yards mm. to get something started. Like this is that entrepreneur mindset. And yeah. <laughs> there's some cliches, good and bad about it. But um, was that was that part of it? Was just actually the need? Like if you did not put in those those hard moments, would the business be in a different position? Um, yeah, I think it would um, in, in the respect of, I remember being um, 
some weeks we, we were in 50 Cavill Avenue, which if you know, in surface paradise, we first, first business, first office, most expensive real estate on the Gold Coast, right. stupid decision, right? Right, right. Um, and I remember being in there on a Saturday morning, needing to make a sale. Like we can't pay the rent this week. Um, so we're staying until we make a sale. Like we're just not going home, otherwise we can't pay the rent. So in that respect, yeah, we needed to do it. Um, but could we have been more efficient in our days that we didn't need to work on a Saturday? Probably, because we were doing all of the fringe stuff that new business owners do that they think is valuable and they're getting business cards printed and they're working on um, socials and everything, which is fantastic and you definitely need to do it. But um, one thing I'm a big believer of is in the early stages of business, you need to be spending a disproportionate amount of your time generating revenue because it doesn't matter how good everything else is. If you haven't got any money coming through the door, you you, you can't sell a secret, right? You, you're not going to get it anywhere. So, um, And then we fell into that trap a little bit um, as well, even as salespeople. So it was like head down, let's just let's just sell let's just make money and make sure we keep these doors open yeah yeah that's and, and what i was looking for is uh and i'm actually investigating wider across australia like how much of it is cultural uh in that what i feel like is that people if you're working longer hours culturally i feel like that's a little bit frowned upon like mm. it's, it's sort of a bit antisocial and, and so on did you feel any of that uh, yeah yeah i did a, i did a little bit i mean um jack the co-founder and i we're both british and uh, we're both brought up from a very humble background. Jack was brought up on a housing commission estate. Um, my mum was a um, cleaner, dad worked in a factory. Um, so Jack's more of an entrepreneur, natural entrepreneur than, than I was, but um, certainly no business ambition in my eyes. So for my friends and people that hadn't seen that side of me before, I, I've changed, right? All of a sudden I'm, I'm working all these hours and, and if you don't have that, if you don't have like the mission, mission and the why you're doing it and they don't truly understand why we were doing it, then it, it can just look like you're just trying to make loads of money. And I think that's what's frowned upon. You're just working working your ass off just to make loads of money. Whereas for us, it was it was way bigger than that. It was it was about finding people that were struggling in an industry of, of sales that didn't need to struggle because there can be an easier way. Um, and we knew that the more hours that we put in now, the more people were going to be able to impact further down the line. And um, that definitely came to fruition. Again, what we spoke about earlier with, with Shark Tank in 2018 and... Um, and we wouldn't. We definitely wouldn't have the numbers of clients that we'd had, or have assisted the amount of people we have if we hadn't done that. I don't think. Yeah, very cool. I mean, that does bring us a bit full circle in terms of the uh, how you're helping people and the uh, you know the sales sales coaching is is a is, is that a good summary for your business or is it more broad than that? Um, I think it's a good summary. I mean, we 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 rebranded in October after six years on our sixth birthday. Um, we rebranded from. Originally, we were ISR, IS recruitment, and then we were ISR training and recruitment, then ISR training, and now we're Swish sales coaching. And I think for a long time, even though we were trying to change the perception of sales, we we also weren't screaming about that in our name. So it was like, let's put it out there, right? With this, We get so many clients that don't want sales training because they don't want to be seen as salespeople. Um, but the the whole ethos behind what we're doing is that, that you should be proud to learn this skill. It's one of the most noble skills you can ever attain because... If you're truly offering somebody value in what you offer, then you're doing them a disservice by not having the skills to articulate that value. So you, you owe it to your clients to learn these skills. Um, so yeah, I think it, it is a good summary, but having said that, it has evolved a lot over the years. Um, like a lot, some of our clients now, maybe 30, 40% of our clients are not in sales. They're in customer service, they're in HR, they're in client retention, conflict resolution, like they... It's, it's more about communication skills, mindset, goal setting, purpose to get you right. 
in the right space to actually make sales and be successful in business. Very cool. Yeah. So like you said, it, it touches, uh, I mean, businesses, probably even individuals at some point of people, like there's a lot of self, uh, people with their own brand, uh, and emerging. Mm. And, um, so it's not just large scale corporations that you're supporting. There would be a, a whole spectrum. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I mean, the larger businesses have only really come in the last two and a half, three years. Um, since Shark Tank gave us a lot of credibility, um, we invested a lot of money into the online training, um, to, I guess have the belief that we could live in that world and and um, and offer a service that is corporate, for want of a better phrase, um, which is which has worked. But what I never wanted to do was let go of those individual business owners that we've been helping over the the years. Um, because when I again we touched on this when I first started the business with Jack, I had no background. I had no sales background, no business background, uh, no business background. Sorry. Um, and I had nobody to go to. I didn't know who to get advice from. So we definitely still want to be there for those people that are owner operators, um, one man bands or one person bands, you probably have to say these days, um, that just want a bit of direction. Maybe they want the confidence um, or the skills to be able to break down what they actually do and communicate that to the market. Yeah, I mean, th this topic is super interesting to me because I'm always looking at, you know, skills and how people learn and apply and then go from there. Is it the type of thing that it's like riding a bike, you le you'd learn it and then it would stay with you so that you could just apply it in new ways and adapt? Um, it Oh, yes and no, right? There's two parts to it. So is it transferable to any industry? Yes. So um, we've coached 160 industries from an earwax cleaning to automotive insurance. It, do, it doesn't. The industry doesn't matter. 80% um, of what we teach is, is identical, which I know people don't want to hear, but it is. It's just communication skills. Um, can you do it once and it will stay with you for life? No. Um, so I always say training isn't something that you did. Training is something that you do. Um, so we as an organization, we we role play four times a day. We practice role, um, word tracks and language patterns four times a day. And when I say practice, that's like three minutes. It's three minutes up, grab a partner um, and away you go. What's your intro? What's your elevator pitch? Um, I'm not interested. Can't afford it. Let me think about it. Um, I'm going to go use somebody else. What's your instant response to that question? Um, and making sure that it's just it's there and it's on point. Um, but you can do it in an authentic, authentic manner that doesn't jeopardize your own morals or turn you into a robot. Yeah, no, this is this is good stuff because I, I think people will hear sales and they'll they'll sort of have a preconception mm. of what that like or even a sales role. Yeah. You know, um, that, oh, I'm I'm not a salesperson or I am a salesperson and, and all this. Um, I was trying to reflect on that and you talked about role play. Uh, that's immediately s struck a memory where my experience with some level of tra sales training was role plays. Yeah. And it was absolutely terrifying. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> to be put on the spot, uh, but it's like a simulation, so it's how it would be yeah. um, what, what i don't understand is right you're a marketer right you you help businesses drive leads into their organization and they pay money to do that right so if you imagine and, and if you're a salesperson listening to this or you're somebody dealing with an inbound inquiry of some sort somebody somewhere along the line has paid money to at least advertise promote get in front of get the attention of that person that's ringing you or make an inquiry how dare you practice on them <laughs> Like live, you're literally just throwing money away. And if you, and I use a lot of sporting analogies, um, you wouldn't go out onto a pitch before you play football without warming up because you're going to pull muscles and you're going to get injured. Um, in our world, pulling a muscle is the equivalent of somebody saying, yeah, mate, not interested or call me back later. That's because you didn't warm up. It's because you didn't, you didn't learn to, to preempt that objection before it even arises. Um, so yeah, we have to practice. We have to role play and we have to do it daily. 
So just to reinforce that point, like uh, again, there's a it sounds like there's a process and a system that maybe some systems work better than others. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, essentially, the it's the preparation and just maybe it's the anticipation of just that social interaction. So like you said, you're, you're doing a disjustice dis to the customer if you're not conveying the value. If I just to reinforce that, yeah, I mean, if you look at um, let's say you're a chiropractor and you get somebody come in for a consult and you're you're the number one chiropractor in the world like you've had the best training um you've been working with the best of the best you're amazing at what you do but for some reason that person walks out of that consult and says i'm not going to use your services because for whatever reason they just didn't feel it they didn't get a connection it didn't feel right to be with you and they go and they use another chiropractor that is substandard they're not as good as you they're not going to get them the same results um you've now sub subconsciously just had a detrimental effect on that person's life because you didn't have the ability to articulate what you do for a living. And that happens in every industry. Tradespeople, somebody calls you up over the phone and they ask you, mate, how much is it for X, Y, Z? And you just give them a number. All of a sudden, you're only communicating numbers against your competition. You're not building a relationship. So how can you stand out? And standing out doesn't mean you have to be the cheapest. So there's people left, right and center that are just missing out on business. Um, got, what is it? 65% of businesses go under in three years and 95 and five. Like yeah, horrible stats, um, and it doesn't need to happen. It doesn't need to happen. That that is super useful, and I'm thinking again. My the clients I've been working with over the number of years is healthcare, uh, mm. healthcare clients, services, and it, it, you know, your optometrists and medical centers and yeah. dentists and so on. And uh, you wouldn't normally, you know, the word of, of selling something or it's not about that. It's about treating a patient or like you yeah, said, hundred percent. And so it's such a foreign thing. And I, I feel like there's lack of uh, uh, acceptance and maybe it's an education. Is it educational? Is that the step? It, it is. Yeah. It's, um, and, and that's that perception piece, right? I mean, we coach heaps of people in the edu uh, health space, like um, a company called Healthier or ASX listed. Um, they, they own like my foot doctor and, and literally chiropractors and, and podiatrists. Um, and then, um, um, back in motion, um, physiotherapists that are, that are based all around Australia. Um, same sort of thing, right? They're not sales people, but they are selling to people. You're selling and My wife's a hairdresser. She's in sales because she doesn't, she doesn't do the service for free. Somebody pays her to do it. So if she says, they say, how much is a balayage? And she says, well, that's $350. And they go, that's too expensive. That's because she didn't have an ability to communicate the value of what, what she offers. So, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's key. Like we we learn to communicate what we offer because if we flip that around and forget selling, think about day-to-day -day situations when you're trying to book a restaurant and you want to get a restaurant on a Saturday night and the restaurant tell the person on the other end of the phone tells you they're fully booked, but you promised your partner that you were going to get this restaurant for them on that night. And you don't want to go back to your partner and say, I couldn't get it. So how much can you build rapport with that person on the phone in 10 seconds? For them to find a way to squeeze you in on that Saturday night, it can be done. I did it on New York in New in New York on New Year's Eve. Um, you can get a lot more out of life when you learn to to connect with people. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean that, that's that personal stuff. Like I was, I was mm. sort of trying to get a feel for when, when I think of you know a sales process or something like that. I, I think of and being a marketer, I'm thinking about the how you communicate with people mm. and. Um, the, the two words I'm thinking of is just overcoming objections. So you've got something, you know, your intention is you want to help them. Mm. They're over here busy and they don't necessarily have the time to digest your message. Um, but eventually you do reach out and you try to make your pitch. Uh, but then they've got a whole list of objections. And that's what I'm thinking of. Is that the biggest, meatiest part of of where people need help? Or is it is it 
another spot. I don't want to give you trade secrets. No, you trade secrets. Oh, but... I'll share everything. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of showing how good you are, not telling how good you are um, as well. But um, it's the biggest part of where people think they need to improve. Um, okay. So when we get, we we send we do a business diagnostic with our, with our clients, and and we there's like. 40, 50 different areas, what areas would you like to work on? I don't think I've ever received one back that doesn't say objection handling um, or closing. And and very rarely do they say introductions, discovery, presentation. It's, it's like always back end. Um, and my belief system after many, many years of studying buying behavior, not just selling, is that the closing is never very rarely the problem. Objection handling shouldn't need to happen as often as it does if you did everything else correctly in the first place. So that's again as what, as what you just said there it's up to us to educate them on that um, and they need to see us as a trusted authority and an expert to take our advice otherwise all we'd be doing is objection handling training day in day out and that's just putting a plaster on it because you, you the, the key is to not get the objection in the first place okay. so, so so how can we understand what are the three common objections you're going to get and build that into your presentation so by the time you get to the end they're like no i don't no i think i feel like you've actually covered everything so what do we do from here yeah, okay. that's a more enjoyable conversation all year all around. Uh, okay, yeah, that, that's where I was trying to just sort of understand the sequence of events, and I'm thinking of it kind of almost like a, a river, like an upstream downstream type thing, mm. where so you can kind of ease the the harder stuff by just uh, you know greasing the wheels a little bit earlier on. Is that yeah, yeah, yeah like it's, it's social a, rapport and all this kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean we've we've got um, a process we call it the negotiation ladder. It's a ten step process to creating clients for life, um, which starts with, again, you touched on it earlier, preparation all the way through you. How do you introduce yourself? Literally, what are the first words out of your mouth, whether it be over the phone via Zoom, face to face, how are you meeting and greeting? Um, then we go to framing a conversation. And in that frame, we have a, a process where we actually remove as many objections as possible in the first like minute. Um, and that could be as simple as, um, has got the, thank you very much for giving me a bit of your time today. Um, naturally, after over a decade in this industry, I know that everybody's situation is different. Um, and a lot of people at this stage have their sales defenses up. Um, what I need you to know is right now, I have no idea if I can help you at all. So with a couple of really quick questions, I'll be able to ascertain if I can. If not, no big deal. If I can, is it okay if I explain a few options to you on the back end? Um, just just every every sentence is intentional every bit of language is intentional to lower sales defenses so you should be looking to lower defenses before you raise buying acceptance and people try to sell a product before they sell themselves and it's a big issue in sales because they're buying you long before they're buying your service yeah i see what you're saying uh, all of this all this knowledge that you're sharing at the moment right here uh, it seems to me I mean, I would consider this almost intellectual property. Is that essentially what you've built in the company? Is something it's in a method that you have, yeah have as your own? The negotiation ladder would be we we created that uh, the swish methodology. So swish is is twofold. It's selling with integrity, selling honestly is the mindset behind our our methodology, um, and then we also created a, a curriculum that encompasses swish as well, which is five core fundamentals that we have to master to become a world-class communicator um, and that is s state of mind um, the the w is winning first impressions i is identifying all different personas um, the second s is securing clients for life or closing and then the h is harnessing a world-class culture so we know that it's way more than just objection handling follow-up and building rapport um, it there is 
a mindset shift that needs to take place initially. There's we've got people that have been in sales for 45 years. They don't want to hear from us. They don't want to. They don't want to learn new things. Um, but if we can get a quick win out of them in the first first week, first two weeks, they become your biggest advocates. Um, so I love those people that are like, mate, what are you going to teach me? I've been doing this 45 years. I'm like, yes, here we go. It almost seems like you're helping with the efficiency of things. So it, it seems like less people having to uh, spend their time more wisely, basically. I don't know. You can you can try to grind it out and you know yeah. persist. But what you're saying, what your method is, is essentially it's a... Uh, you know, some, we're meeting in the middle, like there's a better understanding on both sides. Yeah, there, I mean, there's there, there's a way to endear yourself to people um, that can be done over time, over the phone. You can keep pounding them via the phone or you can utilize social media. Um, or we got 30 different ways to follow up with somebody. Um, there's many ways to get yourself, get attention from somebody and do it in the right way by adding value to them. So um, yeah, definitely. It's about being efficient in your process. So not, I never say it's about working smart not hard. I think you got to do both. Um, I think you can work smart and hard. Um, and and I don't know if it, I hate saying it. I'm, a, I'm only 38, but I'm going to sound old as I say this. There's an entitled generation coming through um, and they've all heard that we've got to work smart. Um, so they're in on the dot. They leave on the dot. Um, it's like, oh, no, but I'm working smart. I'm listening to my body. It's like, okay, but you're probably not going to get where you want to go working nine to five. Um, so, but you can, if you're going to, if you're prepared to go above and beyond and work really smart as well and have strategy behind it, then you're going to go all the way to the top. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that you mentioned that the, there's different uh, sort of walks of life and generations perhaps. And mm. so on. what I was thinking of was, um, you know, some things are, would be perceived as, oh, that'll be hard. It'll be hard to sell. <laughs> or, mm. you know, there's there's something about the, the mix of the product and the characteristics of it. Either it's yeah. a technical product. I think you said you're an engineer originally, yeah. right? Yeah. An engineer by trade. So yeah, either it's technical by nature and the, the sales process is quite long. It might be like three yeah. months long. Um, or you might have something that's a bit more, you know, current generation. You might have your Instagram, Instagrammers that are trying to just land some sponsors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're selling themselves and their stats and the, you yeah. know, and that kind of thing. Is there? Do you get fascinated by case studies and, and just sort of figuring out? Okay, well, that's that's a new green area we haven't really touched on. Yeah. What's one of those that you can, anything come to mind? Uh, yeah, instantly a company called State Trustees down in Victoria. Um, so they've been around. 100 odd years um, and they do deceased estates and wills and trusts um, so a lot of the um, they got 120 odd people in our program but only 20 of them are in sales um, the rest of them are in support and they're getting so it's a bit of a morbid topic but um, imagine you've just lost a loved one and you've been left with this house so that's a deceased estate right you've now taken ownership of that but you've got two brothers and a sister that have also been given ownership of that um, and they state trustees work on the distribution um, and who gets what and whatever's been left in the will. And sometimes you might find out you've been left less than your brother's been given. Um, so they're having those conversations. Um, and it's and they're dealing with people, the way they explained it to me initially was they could be dealing with people that have lost a loved one like this week or this day today, and they're trying to deal with it efficiently. There could be a body in the same room in a casket whilst they're on the phone to them. So it's a very interesting sale is that they need to, they need to help them during this process and also build enough rapport and enough connection that they want to use their services to help them facilitate this um, this, this process, which is quite um, emotional for some people. So um, their level of empathy and understanding needs to be next level. Their ability to build rapport with somebody that is emotionally charged is still a sale. Uh, so a large portion of their company, and I, hope, I know they don't mind me saying it because we, we've spoke openly about it, they didn't want to do the training. 
they didn't want so i'm not in sales um and now we're six months in and they've seen unbelievable results they've realized that they're better communicators inside work and outside of work as well so it's not just personal development uh, professional development it's personal development as well they're writing goals they've got focus they've got better structure they're more efficient um, and they're having more enjoyable conversations with what can be quite a stressful job you know yeah yeah wow well, i mean like super interesting case study right and then that would just be one of many of across yeah different applications so those those come to you uh as in you know they're seeking out some help or do you is there some yeah i'm just curious on how people discover that mm. they have they need help in that area um sometimes it could just be one really forward thinking team leader or manager within the company so i believe those guys um, they had a head of culture um, that that was seeking out some communication training for their team, stumbled across us, did a bit of research, reached out. So that was an inbound inquiry. Um, other people don't, they're not looking for it. Um, I don't think too many people wake up in the morning and go, I need sales training. They know they're not making sales, but they don't, they don't even think to learn, don't think to do anything about it. So we have an outreach program every single day. Our sales guys, um, predominantly on LinkedIn, they will do um, a, a blast of 10 to 20 um, connections a day on LinkedIn, very strategic with team sales managers, team leaders, heads of departments, um, send them a connection request, gets accepted within 24, 48 hours of it being accepted, they'll call them up. Um, and, and we do what we call our egg timer call, which is just get in, get out, two minutes in, two minutes out, little bit of value, couple of hooks, send some information, call back two days later, book a demonstration. Um, so very, very tight process, but it's all value driven. So we're always giving them I guess the same one here, right? I, I want to give practical tips. I don't just want it to be, hey, guys, this is this is how good we are. This is what we're doing. Literally tell you what we're doing because um, I know it works. Um, uh, so, so we have that outreach as well. And then what I like about, if I can just segue into this for a second, with the pod, podcast and social is once we've done that outreach, I know they're going to do professional stalking on us because we've called them out of the blue. And when they do... They find an interview like this. They find social media posts. They find credibility left, right, and center. It only solidifies the chances of them picking up the phone two days later to have a demonstration. So that's why we do all of this around, around the scenes as well. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, look, that, that's an absolute little toolkit that you just uh, presented there. So LinkedIn is a platform. Yeah. It's got, you know, if, and that's it was sort of a business-to-business -business environment, right? Predominantly, yeah. Starting, yeah. Um, but then, so you mentioned the, the podcasting, and that's a vehicle, and, and that's actually Great that you could mention that. So we we had chatted about your podcast mm. that you've been. How long have you been running a, a podcast? Like roughly, not even a year. Um, it will be July, July the sixth. I think was the first one. So it'll be a year in July. Um, my the first interview we spoke about earlier was Grant Cardone, and um, which was in the August before. So that wasn't. We didn't have a podcast back then. Sorry, Grant. Um, I, um, I alluded to the fact that I was going to interview my podcast, but we were just sitting at a table having a chat. Um, with a microphone, right. Right. which essentially now is a podcast. That's right. Um, so yeah, the, f the first official release of the Swiss show was on July the 6th last year. That's neat. Um, so yeah, so I just mentioned it now. I guess it's called the, the Swiss show. People yeah. can just check it out on, on iTunes or um, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Apple and Spotify, Spotify and, um, well, I don't know what the other ones are. <laughs> and everywhere else, yeah. 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 No, Deezer. But... Is Deezer one? Did I make that up? What's it called? Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's so many, but yeah, but that, that, it's that easy. Literally, like you, it's it's all aggregated and pushed out. So yeah, uh, and that's part of um, people learning, listening into podcasts. It's if you've got um, as a as a creator, you know, if you've got something, even if it's just your business and representing yourself, you can still 
get those conversations and threads mm. and then everything's discoverable and you know it's it's a neat little format have you found that podcasting has been a positive for you oh one of the best things we've ever done um, and it's it's a little bit annoying i know you shouldn't look back but um i wish we'd done it two or three years sooner um because it covid forced it upon us we had uh, as with everybody around the world last year we got kind of um into a lockdown format um which meant that I wasn't on a plane flying around anymore. So I'm spending more time in the office and I'm like, we've got some time. Let's we just build this studio um, and get it done. And and I reckon we had it done in less than two weeks. Uh, we had it all set. And when I say we had it done, it is nothing like this amazing place. It was, we painted the walls black, put a TV on the wall, uh, put some blackout blinds in, put some LEDs and some lights. And it was like, away we go. Um, and it looks pretty cool. But, um, but it, it was... Um, from a marketing perspective, it's one of the best things we've ever done. We've got people that come through now that have listened to either podcasts that I've been interviewed on over the last few years, or that I, even if I've interviewed somebody else and it's not even about me or my business, their network then get exposed to us because they share it. Um, and we've had um, m multiple six figures worth of revenue because of doing that in less than a year, easily. Yeah, it's a, it's a. I mean, it sounds like uh, you know you got to look at the trends, and sometimes things are. It, things become saturated and you know people are time mm. poor and you know who's got hours and hours to listen to yeah. podcasts but it's just um it it's information that's in a certain format right yeah well I, it's accessible i find it interesting and also a little bit strange because it's my podcast that, that people are listening to it i don't know if that's just a um um what's the word imposter syndrome still in, in my on my journey but um, to think that people are listening to it on their commute um, or in bed before they go to sleep and and, I, and I'll get a message, a day, easily a message a day from somebody somewhere that'll say, hey, I'm just listening to your podcast with XYZ, really like that point. I'm like, I don't even remember that. I don't remember that com that part of the conversation. You've just pulled out a nugget of gold that I don't even remember. So, so good. And Or they'll go, I use this from this podcast and it's so good isn't it neat yeah yeah i like the um i like the connection connectedness of it and it's sort of like yeah like you said people can jump onto something and and bring shed light on something You're like oh mm. there, there is a moment there and, yeah but you know like people are busy but it's just the um it's almost like the connected mind you know mind hive i think they call it where there's more mm. people thinking yeah and, uh, and and threads the conversation so um yeah no but it's interesting to hear your experience because it's all pretty much positive and you, would you talk a client into saying, look, you try a podcast and see how it goes or as in starting their own. Yeah. 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 I've, I've done that with heaps. Um, yeah, because it does, the industry you're in doesn't matter. Um, you, you, you can just be the thought leader in that industry. Um, so the, it doesn't, you don't have to be somebody that speaks on stage. You don't have to be somebody that's overly confident in front of camera. In fact, you don't even have to be on camera. Um, you can just do the audio, um, as well and just have it as an, as a proper podcast. So, um, I think it just gives you an opportunity to express the value that you have to offer without it being a direct sales pitch. So that would probably be a big, a big lesson from when, when you're doing these. Don't do these to, to try and make sales. Do these to truly add value to the audience. And I think if you do that, the natural byproduct is that you'll, you'll get attention anyway, but you'll get the right attention. Um, so if you listen to each each of our shows, the, the orientation is about the guests, not about my business. Um, obviously, when I'm a guest, it's bit more kind of dominant the other way around yeah that's right um, but but they both work right it's and, and as long as I, even right now as long as when i'm a guest i'm still giving value um it benefits everybody this is neat now we're getting into some interesting territory here around um again the the systems the processes the tools that you've got uh and then there's you know there's a business to run as well hmm. like uh, I, I find it interesting the balance between what's given away for free and what is sort of monetized and like 
you know, they call it the paywall or whatever. Yeah. Um, you can run a Patreon channel and have people pay to access content. Um, where do you find that line? How do you do I think I've seen the membership button on your website, so yeah. you can become a member. But yeah, so that's that's for the Swish Academy. So you can become a member of the Academy, uh, which is our on-demand training program. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of giving away pretty much everything. <laughs> Just... Again, like we, I, I know that there could be 10,000 people listen to this. One of them will use some of the skills. Um, the majority, the, the reality is um, I've stood on stage before and I've, I've taught things at a free seminar that I teach in my high-end accelerator program. And the people that have invested $20,000, $30,000 will use it. The people that come to a free event won't. Um, so I've got no qualms with giving away everything because um, the one person that decides to use it will be the one that will get results from it. And when they get results from it, they'll come back and ask what else we've got. Um, so I believe in 2021 um, or even last year and maybe 2019, we're in an era now where you just give. Um, your, your your competitors are giving. Um, I know it's not always easy and you can't always give trials or, or like um, products away, but you can share knowledge and you can you can position yourself as an expert. So some of the stuff I've spoken about today, people have paid thousands of dollars for um, to be in our program. I appreciate that. Um, Absolutely. And that doesn't bother me. Um, it, it, what bothers me is that um, I just wish more people would use it because I know that it works. And that, that's a frustration. So um, I guess that's commercially, is that right? I don't know. Um, but it feels good for me to do that. I'd rather sit, rather than say, hey, we've got a, a technique on how we do this. And if you want to get in, you look, I got to join the academy. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's neat. And maybe there's a takeaway there for the listeners and the viewers is that uh, essentially it's this contribution model where you're, mm. you're just putting it out there. And, uh, you know, it's it's almost, a, it takes takes your time and, and your resources to put in. But beyond that, your commitment is perhaps a little bit less than, you know, maybe an intensive uh, interactive coaching session where there's a lot of inputs that, you, you know, you're capturing, you're sure. seeing the role play, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And you can and advise the the where they need help and uh, that yeah. kind of stuff. So. Yeah, well, when, when we do um, like tailored training or one-on-ones or even small groups, of course, I get an ability to then um, really tailor the language patterns to them. So even in this environment or with with content that we put out on socials, unless it's from a live training session, which we do often quite put put, put quite a bit of that out there as well, um, the training's conceptual anyway. So you've still got to go away. You got to do a little bit of work. You got to adapt it to your model, your processes. And people are innately lazy. They don't want to do that. They want a done-for-you model. They want me to write scripts, tell them what to do. Essentially, they probably want us to make the sales for them anyway, <laughs> which we've been asked many times. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I, I know I know most people won't, unfortunately, use it. But for those people that do, I'll either, um, they'll either come back as a client or I'll get just as much fulfillment because they'll come back and they'll tell me they've used it and they've got great results and it's changed their life. So either way, I win. Nice. You mentioned sales uh, sales script just quickly there. Is that something that's, uh, are we going away from sales scripts or it still is, is almost like the summary, uh, it's a bit of a template that you would use as a starting point? Mm. Sales Because I see sales scripts maybe in the old days was like, please say this when you, yes, when you knock yeah. on the door. Yeah. Um, what about now? Um, I like to think we're a bit more sophisticated now. Um, and the reason I think we, we have to be is that the consumer is more sophisticated now. They know what you're doing. So um I'm a big advocate for scripting um, and for creating structure and framework um, because it's a safety net. Um, the, I, the amount of people I'll go and shadow um, in a consult or I'll listen to their phone call and then they'll put the phone down or they'll walk out um, and then they, I'll go, how come you never told them you've been in the industry for 12 years? And they'll go, ah, oh, I always say that. I'm like, well, you don't. 
you didn't. And they go, oh, I just forgot it today. I'm like, you forgot it because you didn't have your template. You didn't have your check sheet. Um, or you hadn't role played it enough that it was just in your head that you had a trigger on the back end of one sentence into the next one. So um, for me, it's a safety net. Uh, even at my old company um, back in 2013, to, to the day that I left um, and I was the, the sales manager there at the time, I would still have a clipboard with my notes on it and I'd walk around. I'd, I never looked at it. I didn't need it. I knew it. I knew my 45 minute presentation off the top of my head, but it was still there as a safety net. Yeah, interesting. So. Oh, that's, that's very cool. Um, I mean, I, I'm sensing that you would pick up on signals. So, uh, can you, uh, is it fresh in your mind the last time you've been sold to? Somebody's coming and selling Ryan on a new car or? Uh, yeah, this, this week. Yeah. So, we're, um, I've got to be careful because we're going to do business with say, He's got me. Uh, but, um, give, it, give it at arm's length. Maybe. Uh, in, in... Oh, no, I'll say it. I'll say, I'll, I'm going to give them the feedback anyway because uh, a lot of people that sell to us end up becoming our clients. Because it's exactly what I thought. It, it's actually really, I feel sorry for people in a way because they don't want to sell to us. Um, and, and I say it a bit tongue in cheek and I'm not encouraging you to lie, but if you ever don't want to get sold to, and somebody asks you what you do for a living, just tell them you're a sales coach because <laughs> they won't, they'll just, they'll go, okay, well, you just have a look around yourself. Um, but um, uh, yeah, uh, with um, software that we're buying at the moment, um, there, there's a couple of little things about going back to a manager and um, I'll see if I can get that approved for you. I'm like, you're not going anywhere. You're not asking anybody, just cut to the chase. What's the best deal you can do? Um, so yeah, I see it and, it, and it's, it's painful. It's really painful, and and I and I don't just see it because I'm in the game. Everybody knows when they're being sold to. We, as a con consuming generation, we like to buy, but we don't like to be sold to. So that's the skill: is can you can you navigate that interaction where you actually connect with somebody enough to be that assistant buyer that I'm sitting next to you and I'm helping you buy. I'm not sitting opposite you and selling to you. Um, and that that's the art, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's. I, I mean, I just imagine imagine that it's like this. Uh, yeah, this superpower that you can kind of sense <laughs> sense it coming, and uh, you know, you embrace it probably. You, you, see, you see people literally back off straight away. So, so what is it you do for a living? Out of interest, mate. I'm um, actually I, I coach people just like you. Um, I do I do sales training. Uh, I love it. What about you? How long have you been doing this for? Uh, yeah, not long. Um, well, I'll let you have a look around. <laughs> or would you ever do the opposite and, and sort of go stealth and? Uh, you know, come up with some, some mystery profession. I'm a web designer, uh, and and then and then watch it watch it go through just to just to see. Often you don't get asked, so if nobody asks me, I won't bring it up. So especially over the phone, um, and I'll let people go through it all and just see how they get on. Um, give them a couple of left side objections and see how they deal with it. Yeah. Um, hopefully it's recorded and then I can use it from with my team for training. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like I I am um, I'm picturing the the marketing equivalent of this, and we sort of deal with like funnels. I don't know, I don't want to get into any jargon, but you're moving people through stages, right? Mm. So it's sort of like you know pre-purchase, and then even before that, there's lots of different stages. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just thinking about the selling. Like, is it ever too early to start selling your business, your service, or your you know, like if say if I'm a new company or I've got a new product, um, should I have a certain base level of uh, testimonials or referrals or, you know, like, what, can you sell from an empty cart? Yes. Um, you can, and we have. Um, and the clearest example I'll give you of this is um, we had 13 people booked onto our first ever boot camp in 2015, March 2015. Paid twelve ninety five a person to do um, a, a boot camp before we got into the, uh, before doing the recruitment side of it. Um, I was in 50 Caval Avenue writing the PowerPoint as they were sitting in reception waiting. So the product was not finished. Um, and the way we built it was to ask them what they wanted. So, and I think that's 
in my opinion, that's the best way to build a business is to to let the market dictate what they want. So we were calling businesses, we were speaking with sales professionals and saying, hey, if you were to invest in a sales training course and you were going to invest two days of your time, what would you need to see in that course for you to go, that was a good use of my time? And they were like, oh, well, objection handling, obviously, um, how to build rapport with different personas, how to follow up. And we're like, oh, okay, amazing, cool. Write all that down and went and build, built the product. We knew we what we wanted to teach. And Jack and I had already got this curriculum of what had turned out to be hundreds of hours worth of content, but we knew we couldn't fit it all in. So we were like, well, let's see what the market actually wants. And, and it just came down to, eventually it turned into that negotiation ladder that we touched on earlier. And then the five uh, fundamentals of Swish. So um so yeah, you can, but what I would also encourage you to do, and this is what we did then um, alongside that, was if possible, give your product away for free. Um, so we we did free training boot camps as well. It was predominantly of our friends. We did three of them, 13 people on each boot camp. Um, and at the end of it, we asked for a video testimonial from every single one of them and asked them how much they would pay for it. Um, and then we got a mean price of what it was and um, we had 39 testimonials ready to go. That's very cool. Yeah. Look, I mean, that that's a real clear roadmap about what's possible. And yeah. I think it's one of those chicken and egg things people will make up. You hear these legacy excuses, oh, you know, yeah. and so on. But um, yeah, uh, shift the, just shift the mentality and there's new methods and new... Uh, Minimum viable product and then let the market tell you how they re how you refine it. Very cool. Um, so, I mean, we've definitely touched base on, uh, you know, the business they established aspect of it and then this the online training i'm just wanted to get the balance between like online training in itself is a like a platform right mm. so whether you're selling you're, you've got sales oriented content or you've got uh any other content that someone has listened to out there's this whole um shift and people are learning how to use these platforms is that something that was a natural thing for you did you have you always had online learning as part of your uh, after about 18 months, we did. Yeah, we, um, yeah, pretty quick. And it was a bit fortuitous. I was door knocking in Southport Central um, and uh, just trying to drum up businesses to take some of our trained salespeople into the, into work in, uh, from a recruitment perspective. And I door knocked in a company called Mediasphere, um, who are now known as Powerhouse Hub, and um, brought them on board as a, as a training partner. So we trained their, trained their staff um, and recruited for them. And at the same time, they talked us into turning our program, our physical program, into a digital program. One of the best things we ever did. Um, okay. So that was about 2016. Um, we're still with them today. We are changing over now. We have outgrown um, that that platform. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a shift for me because um, maybe it's a bit of an ego thing, but I, I love physical training now. I like getting in a room full of people, getting the energy going and, and that live interaction. But what we've realized over the years, and especially last year, because we had a huge adoption to online training for obvious reasons, was online training gives way better long-term results than that one-day workshops or, or physical training. Because you put me in a room full of 20 people, you're going to have 20% of them, four of them that have done it before, they've heard it all before, they switch off, they're not listening. Um, because I can only give you eight hours worth of coaching. Right. Um, that doesn't mean that we didn't have the content that they need. It's just that I couldn't get it all into one day. Um, so by giving them an ability to access all of the on-demand training, we can, we, we do, um, AI infused, um, personality profiling and, and skills assessing when they go into the academy. So we can actually create tailored roadmaps according to their experience and their level. Um, so now 
we don't miss anybody. So you, you get a big upside across all areas of your business as opposed to just the ones that want to engage in it. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, that's really where we're getting into the core of, uh, you know, relatability and transferable knowledge because you, you're essentially a content creator in, this, mm. in in a form where you've got this content which you own and then you can distribute it in a couple different ways. Yeah. Um, and, and that tailoring of the training probably uh, but it's self-paced right someone yep. can go in at their own yeah we there, there's guides like some businesses and they go through what we call swish spine which are those five fundamentals um and they recommend do half an hour a week or half an hour every fortnight um we do live training in there twice a week as well for quick half an hour lightning sessions um so some of them just stick rigidly to that um whereas other people are in there for two hours a day um you know they're just consuming everything um which I think can become a bit overwhelming and, and you you might be trying to do too many things at once. Um, so th th I guess that's the self-paced nature, isn't it? It goes fast as hard as you want um, or just kind of drip feed yourself over the course of, um, I say a year, but we, we most people, we've got over 70% of people stay into year two and year three. Mm. Um, so it's not, training isn't something that you did, it's something that you do, right? And because we're constantly adding new content in there, um, it keeps it fresh um, for them as well. Okay. Uh, and, and hearing you describe that, um, the even the the early days of you preparing your product and and putting it out there. Do you reckon that people could get started with online training if they've got some some a seed of knowledge and and creating some content? Is it just a matter of whether it's a PowerPoint or some some method? Like, what do the hours look like? Hours invested to, to get your first product online? Um, as in, if they wanted to create their own product or their own online training program? Exactly right. Um, I think we. I, I wasn't familiar with online programs at all. I didn't know anything about learner management systems. I had no camera equipment to film high quality um, production, um, which I later realized it didn't need to be that sharp and um, probably wasted a lot of time doing it. So it took us about six months to get it from a physical boot camp to an online program that we were comfortable with. Um, but the reality is you could um, you could hire an amazing space like this. You could hire it out for the day, go and create yourself 10 short, 10 minute videos have it professionally edited chopped with an intro and an outro and you've got a course um and um, people will buy that course I, I would always recommend creating three tiers and packaging um so whether it be a, a six video a 10 video and then a 20 video series because we know that human beings are conditioned to get three quotes and we'll always go for the middle or 80 percent of people will go for the middle one um so always always create three if you can um but and you like what is that Kajabi? There, there's loads of free right. stuff out there that you can just get started on. Um, so um, I've got a, a good friend called Jessica Cameron. Um, she worked for with us for a year. Um, unbelievable performance and mindset coach. Procrastinated on getting this out for so long. He's just this week got it got it done. Um, well, and I'm like, the longer you procrastinate, the more you're letting people suffer because people need to hear your advice. Um, and and hopefully that was a bit of a kick that she needed. <laughs> That's good. I mean, I, I think that is powerful. Um, again. There's, you know, finding your purpose, you know, people are, what are they passionate about? But mm. it, assuming that they're, they're there, but they just haven't pulled the trigger on, um, perhaps this more scalability aspect of it, mm. you know, maybe it's, they're doing the one-to-one -one coaching, but you know, maybe perhaps it's not paying the bills. You just I, th I think spread yourself too thin. A lot of people, when we spoke about it earlier as well, people are scared of the camera, um, rightly or wrongly. Um, and we'll always give you the reason that sounds good before we give you the real reason in general in life anyway. It's the same as objections. I'm going to give you the reason that sounds good. I can't afford it as opposed to the real one. I don't trust you or I don't believe in it, whatever it is. So when I say to you, uh, so a lot of people, if they're taking a coaching 
course and they want to take it from physical to digital, they'll say, oh, yeah, but I get a better connection with people one-on-one or I'm better in a classroom environment. It's like, of course you are. If everybody's better in a physical environment, most people are going to create a better connection face-to-face. But if you truly wanted to impact many people, you would take this to a one-to-many sort of um, stance. Um, So I guess if we get to the root cause of that, it's a fear of being on camera. It's a fear of getting it perfect, Um, public speaking skills, which I I used to have um, for sure. It took me a long time to stand in front of the camera and want to put myself out there. Um, And now I've done it and I've done it so often, Jackson can come into me at any moment and go, hey, we need a piece piece of content. We've got nothing lined up for next week. You've got 60 seconds. And I'll just point and shoot. And then he comes in, films, walks out, and then, I don't know, next week there's something on social media. That's uh, right. So, but, but, it, but it's about, yeah, just, just it's, I know it's easier said than done because I used to get genuine anxiety around doing it. Um, but it, it definitely is a practice. Uh, practice makes progress uh, nice sort, one. Of, sort of job. Nice one. Oh, I'm sure a lot of people are, again, nodding, yeah. thinking, yeah, that's that's an area <laughs> uh, to 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 conquer and to get through it um look we definitely kept you for a bit of time i uh, don't want to push on too much longer but you mentioned shark tank earlier mm-hmm. i think globally people would be uh hopefully familiar with that i think there's a u.s version uk definitely yeah um was that a good experience for you um, amazing experience um yeah it, it came at a time where i was still actually pretty scared of public speaking and um being in the in the limelight so um it wasn't something that i was overly keen on doing uh, my business partner at the time jack was very keen on doing it and he applied without telling me um he just let me know once we got on it um so yeah great experience um the guys are still heavily invested in the company um so still get to speak to them on a, on a weekly weekly basis they they also mentor and coach on uh, my accelerator and elite programs um so they they've They've been amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. So you would have been, um, were you a candidate on the show or were you a, a judge uh, just to get the dynamic of, of the Oh, role? yeah. yeah. Oh, I wish I was a judge. Okay. And, uh, so, yeah. So we took our business on there um, and we got investment. So we, we were actually the first company in Australian Shark Tank history to get three sharks. So we got, um, we secured all three, Steve, Andrew and Glenn. Very cool. Very cool. I mean, that, and was that a moment of like a bit of an aha moment that uh, there was some recognition there? I couldn't have put it better. That's literally what it was for me. Because um, I think, as a, as a new business owner, and if you haven't been in the business world, like you're always second guessing, is this the right idea? Is this going to work? And to think that these three guys who between them had started probably a hundred businesses, they, they mentor and they coach some of the biggest businesses in the world, um, that they would do sick because after the show, they do due diligence like heavy on your business, which I, I was naive to it all, right? And they did six months worth of due diligence into the business our clients, our training, and me and Jack. So at the end of it, for us to keep all three of them after after that, and then they all go, yeah, we like it, we're in. A massive, massive vote of confidence for sure. That's neat. That's neat. I mean, and look, and since this is the Aussie Ambitions podcast, just curious about uh, what might be next or how do you even go from from this point forward? Is it um, is it a clear roadmap? Like you said, you've got quite a system for your day-to-day. Yeah. Uh, what about a, a bit beyond uh, yeah, well, I've got um, my, my big, hairy, audacious goals, um, both business-wise um, and personally. Um, we, I'm passionately Gold Coast. I'm, I'm, I've been here 10 years. I'm going for a, um, a visa application right now, hopefully right at the end of that, to become a permanent resident and then a citizen. Um, and I want to put Gold Coast on the map for, from an Australian business perspective. Um, and uh, we get asked a lot, are you going to move down to Sydney or Melbourne? And we're like, no, we don't, we, I love it here. Right? I've got young young family I don't think there's anywhere better in the world to, to to grow up. I think we're really fortunate. So 
the idea that we could take this business of which we have done already overseas but really establish it as a um, as a credible business that is respected amongst some of the global institutions and the giants um around the world that that's where we're that's where we're heading i mean and that, and that would be essentially breaking new ground it's not like has, has there been uh, local role models for you to 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 follow suit like are there big business moguls here that you're networked with or is it a new emerging sort of thing? There's some amazing businesses here on the Gold Coast. There, there really is. And I think it's a bit of um, um under-the-surface hub of, of of talent that kind of gets overlooked by some of the, the Sydney-siders or the Melbourne. And, and there's definitely a stigma that the Gold Coast doesn't breed talent. Um, but I, I would argue, I, w- I was the MC in 2019 for the Gold Coast Young Entrepreneur. Sorry, no, the Australian Young Entrepreneur of the Year finals. Um and some of the businesses there are doing over a billion dollars, and um, a lot of them were Gold Coast based, um, and they're they're huge, huge companies. Um, but they just want the lifestyle as well, so they they live up here. Um, so it, I don't have like a sales mentor that would be Gold Coast based or, or really Australian based. There isn't really anybody competing with us in that space. But globally, the likes of um, Grant Cardone, I guess, would be the would be the biggest or the most well known sales trainer out there. Um, he's definitely on our radar. Um, I, we, he doesn't compete with us directly in the fact of of the way we've structured our training and and our belief system, but um, he's still got a lot of talent and what he offers is very very good. So um, if we can get to to his sort of level and be as well known as he is, then we'll have uh, impacted a lot of lives. Yeah, very cool. And I'm just thinking um, one step further as you as you become very established with your company's brand and your personal again you're you're the face of the business to some degree right you're Mm -hmm. you're out there would you do you see yourself becoming an invest uh investor at some point yeah in other businesses yeah perhaps it's maybe or maybe you're doing it now but just thinking at some point as businesses grow you can look at uh, areas to play in 100 percent. so i've got um I won't go into them, but I've got a couple of businesses that I do invest in um, already as well. And I've made a conscious effort to try and make sure that um, I'm invested where I can still offer a, a mentorship and guidance, but it doesn't distract me from my main cause right now. Um, so a lot of them have come through our programs um, so that I get insight into to why they're doing it and what they're trying to achieve. I get to see the results that they're getting firsthand, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, moving forward, definitely looking to to invest in in more as well. Very cool. Um, and uh, me and the wife have got the hair salon as well. So yeah, yeah. I picked that up. And how's she going? She's good. Yeah. She's good. Yeah, she's just again trying to balance motherhood and um and and running a business and going to the gym and and all of that and. Um, like they they've got a tough gig. Like they they go through a lot for whilst having kids. So um, that's a full time job in itself, as I'm sure most people know. Yeah, hundred percent. Excellent. Look, Ryan, appreciate you coming on. Um, covered a lot of really cool topics. I think it's actually just a conversation starter because it's been yeah. a while since we've you know get the business topic, you get the personal stuff and the lifestyle. And mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it's fair to say I think I think you got this balance thing kind of to a T to the second. Uh, um, um, but. Uh, yeah, looking forward to, to hearing anything else. Can you just give us a mention on how people can follow you going forward, a website or some socials? Um, yeah, so the um, the company website is swishsalescoaching.com. Um, Swish is S-W-I-S-H. Um, they can connect with the company across all of the socials, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Um, 
uh, probably be leading on to TikTok soon, James, as well. Um, and uh, and then myself personally across all of the same. Uh, I am actually on TikTok, not that you would know. I don't really know what I'm doing on there. But um, LinkedIn would be my go-to if you've got any questions for me directly. Um, and then Instagram, you can jump on Instagram. But I, I always say that that's just going to get you bombarded with baby spam. Um, and uh, I'm biased, but I think they're really cute. So you might want to have a look anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Good fun. Um, yeah, let's get those TikTok clips happening and, uh, <laughs> you know, just get out there. So Good fun. Ryan, really appreciate you coming on. That's Ryan from Swish. And uh, thanks again. Come back anytime. Pleasure. Appreciate it. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Aussie Ambitions podcast. We appreciate your support and welcome your input. So if there is a topic that you would like to see covered, please let us know via our website, aussieambitions.com or any of our social media accounts. And please subscribe to receive all of our updates. We hope that you've picked up some helpful tips helping you to get to where you want to go. And if you've got a story to tell and are able to come for a visit, definitely get in touch. Mm-hmm.